Welcome to an Impact Ministries production brought to you by Impact Ministries World Changers, changing the way the world sees God. Learn how you can become a world changer today by visiting www.impactministries.com. Now, here's your host, founder of Impact Ministries and developer of Heart Physics, the self-development programs that have changed thousands of lives around the world, Dr. Jim Richards. Hello, I'm Jim Richards. I want to welcome you to Impact Cyber Church, the place where you can go to church with people all over the world. You know, I'm so excited today. You know, we're talking to people in India. We're talking to people in Pakistan. Today, we're talking to people in Italy. Uh, we're talking to people all over Europe. We're talking to people in Mexico. We're talking to people in Australia. We are talking to people all over the world, and we're taking them this message about the incredible love of God. And today, we're going to be talking about something that I just love, and this is a part of your prayer life. We're going to be talking about getting better than you deserve. Now, I want to tell you something. The legalist thinks that the only way you're going to solve your problems and get out of sin is to pay the price. But Jesus taught us to pray in a way where we stay connected to the mercy of God, where we stay connected to the reality that we can always have better than we deserve. Don't go away. I'll be right back. You want to get your pen and paper? Get ready. We're going to dive into the Bible. Hey, listen, I want to be sure you get my free download this month, Knowing God as Father. I am telling you, this is going to charge you up and get you so excited and so confident in your connection and your position with God. Be sure and get it. It's for free. Yeah, today we're talking about getting better than you deserve. I don't know about you, but I don't want what I deserve. That's why I got saved, so I wouldn't have to always get what I deserve. I'm not trying to use that as a way to skate around. I'm not trying to use that as a way to get by with something. But i tell you what I am doing. I'm always coming to God on the basis of the finished work of Jesus and saying, I want what Jesus deserves, not what I deserve. But you got to remember something. Everything about the heart, there are some laws of the heart. And Jesus teaches these in the parables of the kingdom. And the people that ignore Jesus' teaching about the kingdom and about the heart just never get this stuff. And it's this. Even though God is always trying to give you better than you deserve, it doesn't mean you're receiving that. It doesn't mean that's your life experience. And so with the heart, the heart only has the capacity to receive what it has, the commitment and the intention of giving away. So I'm telling you, anything you're seeking God for, if it's not something that you're giving away, this is because, see, grace, which is God's capacity, God's strength, God's ability that works from your heart and makes you able to do what you can't do in your own strength. Grace works from the heart. And the way grace works in our heart is that it's a two-sided coin. It is always about giving and receiving. It's the ability, the strength, the capacity to give and receive. And I'll tell you, one of the things that has been so wrong with what we've experienced the last 50 years in much of the Christian community has been the fact that we want to receive what we're not willing to give away. We want mercy from God while we're critical of other people. We want God to restore us when we mess up, but we don't want to restore anybody that's messed up. You know, all my life, I've dealt with ministers associations all over America and around the world. And most of the ministers associations that I've ever dealt with had absolutely no true program to recover a backslidden preacher. 
and a preacher gets in trouble, I'm telling you, he's gone. Well, you know what? That filters down to the church members. Then church members are getting in trouble. They're gone because now they're trouble. Now they're difficulty. But when we're in trouble, we want God to give us better than we deserve. And that's what mercy is. You know, mercy is about better than you deserve. Now listen, when Jesus taught us how to pray, even though it goes without saying that we should be praying continuously, which means we're going to be praying daily, it does not necessarily mean we're going to be praying every single part of this model prayer. Because one of the things we've got to do, remember, before Jesus told them how to pray, he told them how not to pray. And one of the things he said about praying is uh, don't just say the same thing over and over again and think because you're speaking a lot of words that you're going to be heard. And I tell you, you know, we get in that thing where we think, you know, if I do it every day, it makes it work better. If I pray it loud enough, strong enough, hard enough, or whatever, if I just do it enough, then I'm going to be heard. That's nothing but just dead religion. The truth is, if our heart is steadfast, we don't really have to pray for the same things every day. Matter of fact, instead, we'll end up just acknowledging what God is doing and giving thanks. You know, I got news for you. Very little of my prayer life is ever asking God to do anything for me. Because, you know, the Bible says in this pathway there is life and no death. You know, when you're following Jesus as your Lord, you say, well, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm following Jesus as Lord. Oh, I'm talking about when you're following Jesus as Lord and every place that your opinion is different than his opinion, you give it up. Every place that your will is different than his will, you give it up. Every place that you view something from a certain perspective, but the Bible doesn't view it from that perspective, you give it up because you want to relate to the world around you, understand the world around you, and even understand yourself in light of God's reality, not in light of our own. So, you know, what you'll find is, is that uh, really, unless you're trying to take the shortcut of living recklessly and hoping it won't get you in trouble, violating the Word of God, bringing some darkness into your life, just sprinkling a little uh, pepper in with the salt, just, you know, not really going out and committing big sins, but just always kind of making these compromises out there. I got news for you. Then you're just going to have a little bit of chaos peppered into everything that you do every single day. But the truth is, as we establish our heart and in the new covenant, our identity in Jesus, then most of our prayer life gets to the place to where it's really about acknowledging the good things that God is doing. So we talked about approaching God as Father. And man, I mean, I could do a whole series on that. We talked about then connecting the name of God, the Word of God, the resurrection of Jesus and our identity into one continuum of reality and thought and power and grace. And then we talked about provision and we moved to that place where, you know, where we were discussing how that we open our heart up to provision, how we acknowledge God's provision and how we expect Him, confidently expect Him to be our provider. And we're going to follow Him wherever He leads so that we experience that provision that He's trying to lead us to. But today we're going to be talking about something. And boy, this is a part of the model prayer that people get incredibly confused about and reach all kinds of crazy ideas. In Matthew 6, 12, he says, and forgive us our debts. One translation says trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. So the traditional interpretation is really very inconsistent 
with the original language, it's inconsistent with the context, it's inconsistent with the finished work of Jesus because what we do with most of this is, okay, forgive me my debts as I forgive my debtors. And so two places that people go that really becomes extreme, number one, you can get incredibly introspective and you're always looking for what you've done wrong, you know, that sort of thing. Or, you know, you go to that place and say, well, wait a minute, Jesus already died for my sins, all my sins are forgiven, I don't have to ask for forgiveness, this is old covenant, nah, 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 nah. You know what? Both of those extremes are just absolutely missing the point. A possible anomaly. Now, forgiveness is later addressed in verse 14. And we start understanding this anomaly that we did not understand just by reading this one verse. In Matthew 6, 14, he says, For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. Now, this is more in line, and the word trespasses, this is not talking about the sin that Jesus died for us for. And this is not talking about forgiveness so much in the way that we think of forgiveness. This is talking about experiencing when we fail. You know, Jesus gave the model of foot washing, and most biblical scholars agree that in foot washing, you know, he came to Peter, I believe it was, and Peter said, no, you know, don't wash my feet. I need to wash your feet. He said, look, if I don't wash your feet, then I have nothing to do with you. And we get this concept that kind of walking through daily life, even though we've been cleansed, our feet get dirty. In other words, being in this world, we contaminate ourselves. We get mixed up on our thoughts. We get mixed up on many things. Or we get off track or we get selfish and we do something. But we commit trespasses. So this is more in line with forgiving people of their failure. See, a trespass is to fall beside of something. It's a lapse or deviation from the truth. So what we're really wanting to do is expand our capacity to believe and to accept the goodness of God. Now, this word debts is very interesting. Forgive us our debts. A debt, according to the Greek lexicon, is that which is owed, that which is justly or legally due. That's a debt. So what we're wanting to do is we're wanting to connect to God and say, God, you know, I've got issues that you have forgiven me for. And I want to be proactive. I want to be preemptive in expressing love just like you are. So I want to forgive my debts in the same way that you have forgiven, you know, my personal debts. I want to forgive the debts against others. I want to tell you something. I'm going to walk you through what this has to do with staying out of temptation. And I'll tell you, this not dealing with Forgiveness is one of the number one reasons people get caught in Satan's trap. I'll be right back. Don't go away. You know this series, New Covenant Prayer, how to set your life in order. You say, what's that got to do with setting your life in order? How does prayer and that go together? I'll tell you how. Because prayer, when you do it based on the New Covenant, is exactly where you decide where your life's going to go, is exactly where you engage and align yourself with what God has already accomplished through the Lord Jesus, and you establish His kingdom on earth. You want to get this today. This will revolutionize every aspect of your life. All right, we're talking about getting better than we deserve. And we're talking specifically as 
how this relates to forgiving other people and experiencing the love of God. I can't say this enough times. I hear people make theological debates that have to do with our position in Jesus and what we have legally in Jesus, and but ignore all of the teachings of our Lord who, if we're not following Jesus' teaching, if we're not translating everything that God said in light of Jesus' teaching, then He is not our Lord. We are not a disciple. So people come up with all these lofty concepts that don't really do anything to empower us here on earth. You know, being righteous, we have been made righteous. But if I don't live righteous, then my life is going to be full of chaos. I'm going to hurt the people around me. I'm going to have pain. I'm going to have struggle. I'm going to have suffering. Now, God's not doing that. But the fact that I am righteous, I could yield to righteousness and walk in love and be as I should be in this world, be as I should be to myself and to the people around me. But you see, if I don't yield to that righteousness and experience, Experience it. You know, so many times the Bible talks about having the knowledge of something or knowing something about the Lord. And that word know comes from the Greek word gnosis. And I've told you this hundreds of times. The Greek word gnosis is not just intellectual information. The Greek word gnosis gets in this concept of being able to know or experience something with every capacity in your being. Everything that makes you able to experience this. So our problem is, we have information. We have heard certain things that we don't know. In other words, we haven't experienced them. You don't know what's true and what's real until you experience it in your own life. And so in the area of forgiveness, listen, again, I have been counseling with people for over 40 years and it is amazing at the people that are suicidal, that are depressed, that are on medications. And I'm not being critical of people on medications. I'm just saying this is one of the reasons you can end up there. But that people are on medications, addicted to alcohol and drugs and all kinds of things simply because they can't experience or they haven't allowed themselves to experience forgiveness from some past failure. And I'll tell you something, when you can't experience forgiveness from a past failure, you're going to experience what the Bible calls condemnation. And condemnation is the expectation of punishment. Now, God's not trying to punish you. God's not planning on punishing you. God's not telling you he's going to punish you. But something inside you has said, oh my God, God's going to kill me. God's going to hurt me. I'm going to pay for this. And if anything goes right in your life, it's like, I don't deserve this. You know, I've done wrong. And I'm telling you something, man, mental institutions are full of people who their only real issue is they have never experienced their forgiveness of God, even though they might have heard about it. So whenever we're praying, Father, forgive me of my debts in the same manner that I forgive others. This should be a place where we are reminding ourselves and connecting to our willingness to forgive people's debts, which means the things that give us the right to do something. See, when somebody commits an offense, a trespass against me, this, in my mind, can make me think I have the right to say certain things or to take certain actions. Now, the book of Luke, 17th chapter, it warns us about what can happen to us when our brother sins against us. And I've read that so many times. And back in the early days of being a believer, I used to read that. And I think, well, God, 
you should have been warning the person who sins against me because they're the ones that's in trouble. They're the ones with the problem. And, you know, no matter how much I wrestle with God, is like, no, pay attention to what I'm saying. You better be careful when people trespass against you. You think, why in the world would I need to be careful when somebody else trespasses against me? Well, number one, an offense is something that causes you to stumble. And we, in our own judgments, the way we relate to what people do, whether or not we forgive and send away the offense, determines if a trespass becomes an offense. If somebody violating one of our legal rights, so to speak, is going to turn into something that's going to make us stumble, possibly for the rest of our life. And here's the crazy thing about it. We act like forgiveness is something that takes this incredible work of God in our life. And Jesus said, you know, when you have forgiven, all you can really do is say, you know, it was my responsibility. I just did what was expected of me. That's why Jesus taught parables about Kingdom parables about people who received mercy and didn't give mercy and really the way that they would be viewed in light of God's word. And I don't think it's necessarily talking about people going to heaven or people going to hell because the kingdom is not heaven or hell. The kingdom is a realm that you enter into right now based on the decisions you make, what you believe, how you live. And Jesus just says, look, it's a matter of choice. It doesn't require any special gift. See, you think you have exceptional rights because of the wrongs done to you. So this means that gossip is all right. Well, I'm just telling the truth. I'm just telling what this person did to me. You know something? I have on many occasions seen people destroyed because people felt like it was justified to keep repeating some wrong that someone had done when that person had moved past it, had moved long past it. But we feel like we have this right or even this obligation to warn people. Now, if somebody's a predator, somebody's hurting people, we need to give wisdom to them, in a, but we don't need to violate biblical procedure in doing it. But the point here is this. I want to be a person who always is able to believe for better than I deserve. And the grace that makes me able to believe for better than I deserve is the grace that comes when I have chosen to give people better than they deserve. This prepares me to live in the new covenant. This takes me into the place of kingdom living. You know, the carnal mind's idea of justice is you got to pay the price and that'll make you right. Now, that came out of the kind of teachings where purgatory came from, the idea that whatever sins you commit, you still got to go get some suffering so they will be purged from you. It's a rejection of the righteousness of Jesus. It's a rejection of the blood of Jesus. It's a rejection of everything that Jesus did in his death, burial, and resurrection. The legalist's second greatest fear is that somebody will get by with it. Somebody will get better than they deserve. And so the legalist is going to make sure that everybody pays the price that they deem is necessary. Well, that same legalist is going to be the person who when they mess up in life, they are tormented by it and they can't get free from it. And they might feel better if it's a preacher. He might feel better when he's preaching and, you know, but usually legalists become mean preachers and they start whipping everybody else because in their mind, everybody else is guilty of the same sins that they have committed. They project all of that onto other people. Well, I got news for you. People who 
make it a way of life from the heart to forgive. Now keep in mind, forgiveness is not just saying, okay, they're off the hook. Forgiveness is not just saying, I'll let it go. No, forgiveness is sending away the offense. You see, God has already sent away our offenses. Our offenses are not affecting the way God relates to us. But that doesn't mean we have sent away our offenses. Because, and how do you do that? Well, not only do you just, you know, speak to it. I don't accept this. I send you away. You're not for God. But then you turn around and put on the new man. And you start acknowledging the blood of Jesus. You start acknowledging the mercy of God. And you connect to the finished work of Jesus. But it's bigger than that. In real life, the more you forgive people, the more mercy you show. You know, this is what Luke 46, 47, and 48 is talking about. You know, everybody thinks Luke 6, 48 is just a, a scripture for taking up an offering. You know, given it shall be given to you, pressed down, shaken together, running over shall men give into your bosom. Well, if you go back and read the previous verse or two, it talks about whether we're given mercy or judgment. Talks about whether we're giving love and acceptance or, or what are we giving. So if I'm giving judgment and unforgiveness to people, number one, that's what people are going to heap back on me. But you know, even more devastating, that's what my heart is going to heap on me. But if I'm giving mercy and forgiveness and kindness beyond what anybody deserves, then you know what? It's easy for me to receive that from God. But the key is this. I have got to send away the pain. I've got to send away the offense. I've got to let go of my judgments. And you know what? And personally, I think that for me, one of the places I experience incredible freedom in this area is when I start praying for that person, speaking blessings over them, speaking the life and the peace of God. You say, I don't want them to have the peace of God. I want them to suffer for what they did. Well, you know what? If they don't have the peace of God, they're going to keep on being mean. They're going to keep on being hurtful. And they're going to hurt other people. Is that what you want? No. You want them to get whole. You want them to experience the love of God so they won't hurt you again, but also so they won't hurt anybody else. You see, this is why before talking about freedom from temptation, Jesus taught us to deal with this issue. Settle the issue about God being your provider. Settle the issue about forgiveness. And you're not ready to expect freedom from temptation because the word, remember the word tempt means to test, try, scrutinize, to make, to strain. You will always find yourself in stress and strain or in evil, uh, which is really what a more correct word than deliver from temptation or lead us not to temptation. Evil, that word there has to do with chaos and conflict and all these things that go wrong because really, if you don't know the truth, because of the bad decision that we make in our life. You know, the devil's only power is the law, which he uses in a legalistic way. And so I want you to understand something. There is no way that law has any power over love or that legalism has any power over love. And so as we express love to people and mercy to people and send away those offenses, that's why you're able to do this is because you're sending away the pain. You will flood your heart with the love and mercy of God. I'll be right back with a mentoring moment. Make your plans now to be with me on July the 15th, 16th, and 17th for World Changer Weekend. And then again in October, you can check on my website for a Heart Physics Weekend. Listen, we're changing lives, changing the world, changing ourselves, growing in God. You know, almost 40 years ago, God gave me a plan for reaching the world in a way that nearly no one has ever done since the time of Jesus. 
He said, instead of building a big conglomerate ministry, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that, but for me, he said, instead of doing this where you have a localized power base, he said, invest in people who are influencers. And so we started Impact International School of Ministry, and we have invested in influencers all over the world so that today millions and millions of people are hearing this message. People, we won't see this side of heaven. But you know something? We've taken that a step farther with what we call Operation One Billion, where all over the world we are starting Bible schools to train leaders. And in these third world countries, when they go to Bible school and when they get launched out, they go out and evangelize. They go out and start churches. It's not like America where people just go to Bible school and quit. Listen, I would invite you to become not just a world changer with our ministry, but join me in Operation One Billion. You know, one of the greatest paradoxes in the Bible is David. David was a man after God's own heart. You know, and he committed some terrible atrocities. He didn't commit the kind of atrocities where he led people away from God or, or where he started pursuing other gods, but he just struggled with the sins of the flesh, the desires of the flesh, which is what most of us struggle with. And in Romans 4, Verse 6, it says this. It talks about David. It says, David also describes the blessedness of the man to whom God imputes righteousness apart from works. And he says, blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord shall not impute sin. Man, alive. Listen, David was talking about this attitude that God has. See, if God wanted us to suffer for our sins, He would not have sent Jesus. He would have kept us under the old covenant law, bound by the limitations of our flesh, and then at the end, He would have punished us all for every single thing that we had ever done wrong. But Jesus came, and we don't have to do that. But you got to remember something. I can't make other people suffer, and I can't punish other people and really believe in my heart that Jesus has forgiven me. And our problem is, according to Romans 2, for we despise the riches of His goodness, forbearance, and long-suffering, knowing not that the goodness of God leads you to repentance, leads you to changing your mind. And that's what we want to have happen in the lives of the people who hurt us. We want them to change their mind about how they treat people. And we want them to know and feel love and acceptance. We want to be free from the pain and bitterness so we can minister to them and help them when the opportunity comes. But I tell you, on the personal side, the more we forgive, the more we experience forgiveness. Thanks for listening to the weekly Impact Ministries World Changers podcast with Dr. Jim Richards. If you like what you've just heard, we encourage you to share our web address, www.impactministries.com, with friends and colleagues. Be sure to check out the resources section of our website for previous podcasts and our videos. Join us next week for another great message by Dr. Jim Richards.